Let me tell you today about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, or you can record it on another device or platform and transfer it to Anchor. It will distribute your podcast for you through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome in players to the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. If you're looking for some great fantasy baseball content, then man, we're here to do it for you. P-Mendy here in your ear. Joined by my guy, Art Tornabeni, a.k.a. Lil Cheesecake VLC. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing well. I've been I've been sprucing up the dungeon lately. Uh, it's it's looking really sweet. Backyard's looking really sweet. Um I live in living my best quarantine life these days. I'm how you doing, David? I'm good, man. I, I did see on Instagram. It was really nice. Did you uh was it a fence or was it like a playground thing you built with them this weekend? I I built a I built a landscape wall. I I had to drive these spikes through like four by fours. It was it was a, a he man uh he man event to be swinging a sledgehammer for like two hours three hours on on sunday and dig in all day saturday just to get it so it's level i you get re- you can get really into it when you're doing it it was a lot of fun uh it's just a little landscape wall it, it ends up being like eight inches tall but uh but it was a lot of fun and and you know and uh you know my kids come outside and be like daddy's working look at him daddy's working down there look at how he's working and i'm like yeah Whew, working hard yeah Daddy's what, building your wall here <laughs> what, do you, what do you do the other 45 hours during the week <laughs> i think uh i think i grew a hair on my chest just hearing that <laughs> it's gonna happen man but we also have chris collinsworth sliding his way into the show the doc eric mendelson how we doing <laughs> Doing well, currently 1-0 in fantasy. Not everybody on this podcast can say that. Oh, are you trying to take shots at me? Uh, Yeah. And guess who gave David his loss? Lil Cheesecake, DLC. <laughs> yeah, taking came... a nice cheesecake-sized dump on David to make yeah, it came down to the last day. <laughs> it's all right. I win, I win when it matters. Playoff time, baby. My team rises to the occasion. But... We're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about FAB. That's our discussion today. What is FAB? How to maximize your use of it? There's a lot of questions when we get down and dirty with FAB. So we're here to answer all your questions you have about it today. And we are going to be doing that with our special guest, Mr. Jason Collette, who's waiting in the hole. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, if you threw out the first pitch, would it be a strike? And our mystery game coming in to shut the door. But first up to bat is our news and notes. Shohei Otani has been diagnosed with a grade two of the strain of the flexor pronator mass and has been shut down from pitching this season. He's still able to DH without restriction, having just hit a home run yesterday. 
Art, I'll start with you for this question. Is his value as a DH, are you keeping him on your roster? Because as of a couple days ago, he was hitting under 200. I think you invested pretty highly in Shohei Otani if you got him. So I think you are holding on to him based upon the value that he might return, the value that you expected his hitting to return. And this actually might give you a little bit of a clearer way on how you're using him. He'll probably hit more often than he would have because he was having to take days off from for pitching and take the day after pitching or the day before pitching off the the way the Angels were staggering it. I think it use, it makes it easier to just set it and forget it with him in your lineup. He has power. He has speed. He uh, He's produced well. Uh, he's never done it for more than like 400 and something plate appearances in a season. But you know, a guy like him in an everyday role, you know, could be a second or third round player, actually. So I, I think you hold on to him and wait for him to to pick up, you know, his hitting after the strain of having to worry about pitching is gone now. It's an interesting take. Eric, do you agree? Shohei Otani actually homered tonight. I don't think he, you're going to get the return on, on investment that you did if you spent a second or third round pick on him, even if he is a hitter. I don't think that you cut bait with him, though, because he's going to be in a good lineup now that Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon have their injuries and their kids behind them. Um, I think the Angels should never have him be a starting pitcher, have him be in a relief role. I don't think I think you're going to kill his arm and and his career if you try to have him do both. I think because he throws fast, he could be in an effective reliever. Yeah, I heard someone today talk about him being a, a fireman role in the bullpen, not having the pressure to close, but pitching to one time through the order, uh, maybe a maximum of two to three innings and keeping him fresh for, uh, for hitting. Um, I agree, echo what you guys said. I think you can't drop him for where you had to take him in the draft. And it looks like that now, I think he has four home runs now, if I'm not mistaken. I, I think it's, it's coming back a little bit with him not pitching. So I would hold on to him. Let's move to the next bit of news. While the Marlins and Phillies returned to play, the Cardinals had 13 members of their organization test positive for COVID, including Yadier Molina, Carlos Martinez, and Paul DeJong. The plan is for the team to be able to resume games tomorrow against the Cubs. Eric, do you think that this is the end of teams having to shut down? I hope so. I can't say I think it is yes for sure, yes or no, because we don't know what these players are doing on their off time. I just hope for the rest of this season, for the two-ish, two-and-a-half months we have left, that players don't do anything out of their ordinary. Just, you know, you're professionals. This is your job. Just finish the season. Don't go to any strip clubs in Atlanta. Fair. Art? I think the Cardinals went to a casino. Isn't that what <laughs> you guys heard? He, they went to a casino. And, uh, no, I didn't hear that. It's a casino owned by a poppy-growing farmer in Ozark, Missouri, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they, they, they went to a casino together, and, and they all got it. Oh, so, you know, uh, I, I, am a, I am a little bit, uh, a little bit happy that it's the Cardinals because, um, you know, Midwestern rivalries, I'm a big Cubs fan, Midwestern rivalries, we're friendly. But when there's like if if there has to be a team with egg on its face, everyone kisses the Cardinals butt so much. And it's just nice. Casino. Oh, oh man. I'm betting you hope they lost money in addition. Oh, I know they lost money. 
that's the type of people who would go to a casino during a quarantine when they have baseball to play. Losers. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> if you hear that laugh on Sunday, that means that the Cubs swept the Cardinals in this weekend awesome. series. Awesome. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Craig Kimbrell's going to get a save. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> If that happens, man, the Cardinals just need to quit the season. That's true. Last bit of news. We have a couple, a little bit of sad news. Robert Ozuna, Roberto Asuna needs Tommy John surgery. He'll be out a long time. Uh, Ryan Presley looks like he's going to step up and close for that team real quick. Yes or no? Art, top 10 closer. Yeah, if he's healthy. He's a top 10 closer. He has that stuff. Uh, I'd hold on to him. I'd hold on to him. Eric? No, because I don't think he'll be healthy. Talent-wise, yes, and opportunity-wise, but I don't think he's going to be healthy the entire season. And then the other bad injury, Mike Soroka, tore his Achilles, a devastating injury for a pitcher. If you have Mike Soroka in a dynasty league, Eric, are you concerned? Or if you're drafting him in dynasty, are you dropping him in your rankings? Uh, you definitely have to drop him. Uh, I don't think it's it's as... I mean, it's a bad injury, but it's not Tommy John where you worry about, you know, how fast they're going to be able to throw. Obviously, plan off your legs uh, and and use that power. I do want to I'm sorry. I want to it is off his uh, power leg, like his back leg that gets the power for his pitching. It's not his opposite leg. Yeah, I I think what probably the best thing to do, obviously, he's going to sit out the rest of this year, sit out the all of next year. He's 23 right now. He can bounce back at 25 and have a great rest of his career. Devastating injury to a guy that didn't hit his girlfriend. And when you see the injury, you actually saw it pop. So just brutal news. Adam Wainwright actually came back from this injury in five months. So it's something. Jason Grilly had this injury a few years ago and came back after eight months. So he may be back, may only miss a little bit of the beginning of next season. But I think people are concerned of which leg it is. And that apparently from everything I read, that this is actually more concerning of an injury than Tommy John because of how many people are coming back from Tommy John. Or I don't know if you feel any differently. What are your thoughts for this? I, it's just really sad. I think Soroka is one of the best young pitchers in the game. And I was looking forward to him playing a, a role on this brave staff that really, really needs his quality. Cole Hamels didn't work out. Uh, Felix Hernandez didn't work out. They uh, they let uh, Dallas Keuchel go. They're 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 in desperate need. They're gonna bring up somebody, uh, Bryce Wilson. Who knows? Give him a shot if you for your team. This is really sad. Um, one of my favorites. I think that his recovery. You gotta watch because pitching is such an integrated body movement where you're going from where your 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 parts are linked. So a knee injury, a knee injury could could have lingering effects um five to eight months coming back i i don't know i mean he, he's, he's probably a really good athlete probably heals pretty quickly i, I wouldn't put it past him to get uh, to get back for some pitching next season but i wouldn't expect him to be at the beginning of next year if it's a 162 game season let's hope so mike yeah. stroke is a great young talent besides the bad the debbie downer news do you like what you're hearing so far Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy football show that you can check out, also available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, 
How about truly getting jiggy with it and leaving us a five-star rating and review? Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TripPlayFantasy. Eric runs our social media and provides great daily questions stolen from GetUp, distasteful gifts, and of course, our weekly episode drops. Don't be like a bandwagon Heat fan and like us as the big three. Join us while we're just the Dwayne Wade stage. Lastly, tell a friend about us who may actually put us in their ears on their ride to work and thank you for keeping their minds off traffic. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. And now, Jason Collette. Helping fantasy owners since 99 at Roto Junkie, Fanball, Baseball Prospectus, and now RotoWire. You know his voice from podcasts on RotoWire and Fangraphs. A not six, not seven, but eight time FSWA finalist and 2013 award winner. If you want to make this man happy, get him a Whataburger. And if you want to piss him off, ride a scooter by his house. We are talking with Mr. Colette Calls, Jason Colette. How's it going, man? What's up, guys? How are you? Pretty good, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Sure. Yeah, I'm happy to be talking baseball while we have it, if they don't screw it up. Right. Fingers <laughs> crossed. So, so before we get into the topic for the show today, I was looking at what you've been working on with your new pitch tracker that you have. Right. And mm-hmm. I was looking, it was really fascinating and some great stuff. Can you tell our audience a little bit about the project? So I've been working on this since 2014. Every year I would start looking at, you know, everybody would talk about best shape, best shape of his life was always the hashtag BSOHL uh, for hitters. And I'm like, yeah, what about pitchers? What are they doing? Uh, And so (laughs) they, you know, hey, I'm working on a splitter. Hey, I'm working on this. And so I started tracking it. Uh, and then it just got popular. Like one day I had a, uh, a guy from a baseball front office. He's like, Hey, when are you getting started with this thing this year? I like looking at it. I was like, Oh crap. You're looking at it. And then somebody else that works for another org was like, yeah, keep it up. We love this thing. I'm like, all right, people are watching. Uh, so I've, I've kept it going and this year has been fascinating. Uh, so I have it. If you go to my Twitter profile, there's a link to the Google sheet in it where I'm tracking historical and the results, like you can see, you know, did it make, did the guy actually throw the new pitch that year? A lot of guys early on, especially, it was about half and half. Overall, it was half and half. Guy will say he does it, then he doesn't do it. Uh, and so this year, I haven't put in this year's results, but there were a ton of new pitches this year. And even some in season, like you know, we have Mike Clevenger throwing a cutter now. Shane Bieber throwing a cutter now. Uh, those came out. Uh, Chris Paddock throwing a cutter you know these guys uh, used summer camp to try new pitches so i got to play a little bit of catch up uh but then i want to see how that uh, is applicable but one thing uh i'm curious to look at right now is because there's no advanced scouting because there were no games and everything like these guys doing these new pitches how are they doing this year i mean we're talking about an hour after dylan bundy just struck out 10 guys Mm -hmm. uh dylan bundy Mm -hmm. is not pitching like dylan bundy normally does and there was an article even in Boston Globe this morning by Alex Spire with J.D. Martinez is, is is upset that he doesn't have access to video scouting in game like he don't like he normally does. And other players are like, yeah, it sucks. We don't get a you know, we're not seeing what's happening with these guys in game uh, and offense is down. I mean, league wide batting average was 230 heading into this morning. 230. Wow. 
awful. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah, but that's what we're we're seeing guys come out earlier. We're not seeing the times through the order penalty and all the and relievers coming in that people have never heard of. I mean, is it a reliever or a world leader uh, with some of these names? These guys <laughs> watching Boston and Tampa Bay the other night. I had no clue who four of the relievers were for Boston. Uh, but that's what you're, you're just seeing. These new fresh arms come in and guys are guys will have four or five plate appearances and may face five different pitchers uh, in some of these games. And it's no wonder why the league offense is down so far. And it's also piggybacking off of that. It, I looked at one of the tabs you have, and it's the percentage of relief pitcher wins with all these guys coming in and how it's steadily risen up every year. And this year it's already at 48 percent. That's insane. Yeah, that's not my, and, and the last couple of days has kind of been weird. Was it yesterday, eight of nine games were won by a starting pitcher, uh, or maybe that was two days ago. So, like, last couple of days is starting to normalize a little bit, uh, but, you know, we're recording this on, on Thursday, and, and I think it's even split during the day games because uh, Taylor Rogers blew my Kenta Maeda win today. <laughs> uh, and, you know, that was, and then I know, I saw that the Giants-Rockies game ended up being a reliever win. So it all depends on when ace when the ones and twos, I mean, those guys are mostly getting it, but the back end right now has been a lot of reliever wins. And now that roster is going to stay 28 uh 28 players, I think we're going to see more of that. Your ones and twos, that's out of Cleveland. I think all five of their guys are going deep in the games right now, uh, which is a good thing because their bullpen's not good. Uh, you know, and so I think a lot of teams are starting to do that and just say, I'm going to take advantage. I got 14 pitchers. I'll just use them. Uh, let my ones and twos go seven innings. And then my threes, fours, and fives give me you know, 18, 21 batters faced. And I'll yank you out and go with the go with my bullpen. And Jason, is this something? is this something you think that we could see next season? I know – with a 60-game season and pitchers not building up their arms, a lot of people are turning to the bullpen earlier. But do you think, assuming we have a 162-game season next year, do you think this could be something that we see again? Uh, with the, I mean, last the last couple of years, reliever wins were like 38 and 40 percent, only because bulk guys were coming in. You know, a lot of te- the Rays were the first team to use the opener in 2018 uh, when Sergio Romo did the back-to-back games against the righty-heavy uh, Angels. Uh, you know, so reliever wins were happening because a couple of teams started using bulk guys and the Rays did it out of, out of necessity because they had four guys on the disabled list all at once. And then like the guys that were supposed to come up from Durham were also hurt. And so they're like, you know, this is what we're going to do. So you saw teams like the Royals last year were doing a little bit of it towards the end and, and different teams. Seattle was doing it. And so that's why you've seen relief wins go up. But and this year is just, you know, in a sprint, you can do whatever you want. Uh, but in a long season, it's tough to the, the reliever win has got a ceiling unless more teams use that opener strategy and say, OK, you're going to load up with with righties. I'm going to get my righty specials. He's going to pitch the first inning and then I will bring my starter in for the second inning. Uh, so what if next year is a full season and we get back to some normalcy, I think we'll settle back down to that 38, 40 percent range um, because you can't. You can't do what's happening this year over the full course of a season with a with a 26 man roster that's limited to 13 pitchers. You just can't keep enough fresh arms to do it. I and mean, these guys aren't built to say I'm, you you got to pitch today. Most of the time, it's, if they've pitched back to back days, they go take a beach chair and they sit somewhere else on day three. They don't do anything. Uh, right now, that's not happening. Some guys are pitching three days straight and then they take a fourth day off. Uh, but they've got they've got these guys in alternative camp. They can send a guy up, send a guy down, um, and they don't have to worry about that guy even pitching uh, in AAA because that's part of the uh, part of the hole in the strategy is you got to worry about what the guy did in minor league. And so, like, uh, I think it's one of the you know probably the one thing of this whole uh, 
extra runner uh, thing in the extra inning. You don't have these long ass games where it's like, okay, you just burn through your bullpen. Now you have to call a guy up. These games are shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, sometimes you have those long game up, and then you're looking down at your AAA bullpen. It's like, oh, great. They had a 13-inning game last night, and they have one fresh arm that's on the 40-man roster. Okay, that guy's coming up. I hope we don't have to use him. Um, so he's coming up, and, and he's available. Okay, now we're sending him back down, and somebody else is coming up. Like the Dodgers, you know, the Dodgers were great at doing that. Rays did it. Um, Astros were cycling arms last year. Uh, up and down so it just gets tougher to do over a full season it's very interesting just how baseball's changed so much over the last few years whether it was including the opener you have guys piggybacking you have a closer uh closer different closer roles guys that uh it's a closer committee or whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it so much has changed do you envision that we get anywhere back to what it used to be or do you think things are going to keep kind of changing as the times keep going now if detroit can lead the league in shifts this year uh, anything's possible uh, yeah that's a team that resisted that kind of change but he, here we are you know i saw something earlier this week where they were leading the team uh, the league in shifts uh but you know baseball doesn't tend to go backwards uh it, it does it is slow to change but it also doesn't revert back to things uh, and so i don't I don't see that happen. I, I don't see the happen. I think, you know, the expanded playoffs probably here to stay. Uh, but going back and, and starters pitching a bunch of things, I, that's the one thing I'm un, uncertain about because, you know, here this season, we've seen a ton of pitching. In. I mean, guys weren't even used. You know, they had the offseason. They built up, go to spring training. Okay, we got to shut it down. Okay, we got to restart. And then the pitching injuries have been out of control. I mean, it, guys with great mechanics, very later, done. Uh, you know, you've got Giles, you got Osuna, and you got Syndergaard. Like, all these guys getting hurt, and the pitching injuries are just ridiculous this year. And, and honestly, it makes it tough to enjoy the game when so many good pitchers are out. But then it's crazy to see that so many good pitchers are out, yet offense is down across the league, uh, and which, is, which again, I think just gets back to utilization. Uh, that's not sustainable over the full course of the season. Uh, but I think more and more, if anything, it's surfaced the, like, hey, the, this times through the order penalty thing is a real thing. And the managers, maybe they always knew it, but they didn't have the luxury of, of uh, paying so much credence to it like they do now with these deep bullpens. And we'll be curious to see how some of the other managers manage it next season when you have a limit of, you know, you may have that uh, the eight-man bullpen and maybe you have your A pen, your B pen. Uh, and in your losses, you make sure that your B guys soak up those innings so you can have your A guys for the – uh, you know, for the high, the medium and high leverage situations when you have a lead or you're in a tie game. So it really comes down to how that manager can use uh, his bullpen effectively. Some guys are great at it. Some guys are just traditionalists and stuck at this is my sixth inning guy. This is my seventh inning guy. <laughs> you know, you can get a save, a, a save or a hold. It depends <laughs> what it is. You know, Nick Anderson finally got his first save as a Ray the other day, but he's been saving games <laughs> all over the place by bailing people out in the seventh inning. That's that's the most frustrating thing because I took a stand before the season started. I made a bold prediction that Nick Anderson was going to be the number one relief pitcher in terms of points. And you're right, he's there. He's coming in and, and bailing guys out. He's not getting a chance to accumulate stats because they're just using him in a fireman role. And yep. it's it's just very frustrating, especially again, we're going to be talking about fantasy stuff in a second. It's just very frustrating that these teams are kind of so manipulative with how they're using their guys. That it's hard to know who they're going to go to. It is. I mean, but that's how that's how you should use these guys. If you get stuck in the role, I mean, we all laugh 
back, uh, you know, what was the postseason where Craig Kimbrell was just staring out the bullpen? And we're all like, you going to bring this guy in? Or are you just going to let this game get away from you? And they let the game get away, and he never came out of the pen. And there was the Mets uh, situation, too, at one point. But, you know, if, you, if you're if you tied it, or you're up 2-1 in the seventh inning or bases loaded or one out, are you really going to let your third best reliever bail you out of that game? Or are you going to use your best weapon? And yeah. then just say so you get a couple of runs and all of a sudden you're up five, two. And then now you can bring in your third best reliever because even your third best reliever can protect the three run leading at three outs. Uh, <laughs> you know, those kind of things happen, but right. you can't let a game get away from you in the seventh just because the closer, you know, just because the, the, the textbook says the closer must pitch the ninth inning. Uh, you know, that's why textbooks are rewritten. Unless you're a team like the Yankees that just have five closers on their roster. Yeah, and that even count. That's even with Tommy Canley being down for the year. Their bullpen, their their bullpen, and, and San Diego and Tampa Bay running coming into the season, I thought were the three strongest bullpens in baseball. Um, and you know the Padres lost Wind Gardner, uh, and the, you know, the Yankees lost Canley. But then you know they 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 Chad Green's pitching like he used to pitch and and Nick Nelson's look good out of that pen and then Tampa Bay's bullpen uh, has been good it hasn't been great it's been good uh, but the offense can't score so it doesn't matter what the bullpen's doing the the offense just leaving too many guys on base right and I do want to shift to our discussion but for those again that haven't got a chance to look at Jason's stuff go go to his Twitter and it's the link in his bio it's a awesome looking spreadsheet he's got so much data. Um, it's just incredible to look at. So if you do one thing today, make sure you go and check that out. I do want to transition to our discussion today, which is FAB. And for those that are unfamiliar what FAB is, it's free agency acquisition budget, and it's a stash of uh, imaginary cash you can use to bid on free agents floating around in your league, or in other words, kind of like a salary cap. This system can be great if you can't be the first one at your computer, you know, when Nick Senzel gets called up, Eric, or... Don't feel that the last place should be rewarded with top waiver claim each week. But with FAB, all waiver wire moves are processed together, however often you run them, and the person spending the most from their salary cap will be rewarded that player. FAB is considered the most strategic way to play and allow everyone the same chance to obtain players that they want on their fantasy team. So today our experts are here to discuss some tips and tricks on how to use your FAB the most effective way possible and cause you to not be left with empty pockets midseason while still obtaining good players. So let's dive right in. First topic, managing your FAB. Jason, I'll start with you. Do you like to save it mostly and wait for the bigger call-ups at the end of the season or like for those potential superstar players that might get called up down the road? Or do you like to bid a lot early on on guys breaking out in the beginning and bid aggressively? So I'll say this. If you're listening to this and you play in a league that doesn't use FAB, change your rules and make it so. Waiver claims, garbage. Uh, you mm-hmm. got to use FAB because it's strategy. It's just yet another fantasy strategy. And and for my, I've evolved in this particular capacity early on. I would be conservative and I'd want to sit on it, wait for the trade deadline. And this, I mean, this season aside, and even in a normal season, I would do that. And then it's like, okay, great. Sometimes there'd be an awesome trade cross because I do a lot of single league format. So I'm, I'm waiting for that guide. Or if like you're, you know, you're sitting, let's say, let's say Wade Davis and Scott Oberg didn't get hurt this year and they were the eight, nine, and then both guys get moved. You're like, Hey, I got my Hiro Diaz here. I, you know, that guy's available. I'm going to go buy him and get a bunch of saves. 
every now and then that strategy works, but sometimes you have some stink bombs of a trade deadline and now you're holding the bag and there's nothing to, nothing to buy. And so I have in, in more recent years, I'm more aggressive early on because I'm also getting more of a return on investment. And like last year, I was hot out of the gate in Tout Wars and I bought Michael Chavis as soon as he came up. And I spent a third of my fab budget on Michael Chavis got a bunch out of them and then moved them about a week and a half before we started getting nice cold for something else I needed. And so oh, it's like you could do, you can do something like that, uh, but you just get more of a return on your investment. You don't want to wait again. Don't hold out for the trade deadline. If it works out, it works out. Or if your team gets healthy, it's like, okay, I don't really need a, I, I, you know, you draft a good team and, you know, knock on what everything works out. You don't have to worry about replacing, but you also shouldn't. It, you got to be aggressive so you can maximize your return on investment. I have found I get better results out of my teams by doing that rather than being too conservative and mm -hmm. underbidding or shoving guys up. Uh, I mean, even I, I played in some leagues. I don't actually I don't have any leagues like this anymore, but we used to have the Vickery system where it was plus one. You know, you bid 50 for uh, Diaz and I bid 55. I get him at 51. We don't mm -hmm. have that anymore. And even NFBC, you have a thousand and you get, you know, whatever you bid is what you get. Right. And so sometimes like, I forgot there was somebody I bid and I got him for one hundred and thirty dollars and nobody else even bid. I'm like, whatever. I mean, that's what I I think it was Trent Grisham. I'm like, that's what I valued Trent Grisham at. Uh, and so I don't mind doing that. So you got to you have to try to be strategic, uh, and especially in FBC where you can, uh, you know, you can see what the next bid was. It kind of gives you a, a look. You're like, okay, you know, people are that's where things are. And if you're in a CBS league, your commissioner can set it so you can see what everybody has bid. That's one of the things we do have uh, in Tout Wars and Labor. We can actually see everybody's bids, so it gives us a little opportunity to look and see what the if guys are bidding patterns. Like if they always bid uh, a two in the ones place, so you're like, okay, I'm going to bid 53 this week because I saw last week that Dave bid 52 and 42 and 22 on his players, so I'm going to adapt. And so you right, you have to look, take advantage of the numbers that your your uh, website presents you. Uh, but at the same time, don't be caught. I like to be in the middle of the pack with money by the time we get to the trade deadline. Uh, and uh, if you can, try to trade for fab dollars. If, if you're adopting that process in your league, uh, you're trying to consider it for next year, put that in your constitution. Allow people to trade for dollars and say, look, I'll trade. You know, you, I don't have a roster spot, but you need a pitcher. I'll give you this reliever for $45. Okay, great. And then you know you can recover a little bit of what you lost. I actually hadn't heard of that. That's a really, I think that's something I definitely want to adapt because I mean, not yeah. the only fab thing I'm doing right now is NFBC, which obviously I don't think you can do that in. No. Um, nope. But uh, that, I like that idea actually, and mm -hmm. I think it would definitely be very valuable. Eric, um, I mean, I think Jason covered most of it. I, I think of fab. I I started when I did fantasy doing auction drafts, and that is really actually how kind of you start valuing players as opposed to a snake draft of just who falls in a position. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like to wait a little at first because there's always going to be that person that will get a little trigger happy and might sign a, a Teoscar Hernandez after the first week. Because, oh, he's leading with four home runs, and then we'll cool off a little bit. I like having a few players to target that you're going to spend a lot on, whether you're big on Nate Pearson or somebody that you know is going to get called up during the season, like a Joe Adele, and to be aggressive with them. You know, I think a lot of us do our research and we're we have our bias of who we like and not. And um, 
you know, I that's kind of one of the strategies I use. I, I agree with you, Jason. I think you got to be aggressive and you can't play conservative. But I do like to to save it because I think some or for a guy that I'm really high on, because if I see that somebody outbid me, I lose sleep over that. Well, <laughs> I mean, there's a couple of things, too. Also, you know, strongly pay attention to your waiver wire. See who was cut the previous week. Like in my in my NFBC, uh, the TGFBI league, the the thing that Justin Mason runs, uh, Justin Verlander was my first round pick this year. You know, I lose mm-hmm. him. Well, mm-hmm. that week somebody had dumped Lance McCullers, uh, and for somebody else, so I lose Verlander. I aggressively like I put five hundred and fifty dollars on on Lance McCullers, and I'm glad I did because somebody bid five forty two. Wow. Uh, so uh, it was uh, and it was I I got him, and it worked out. Yeah, until last night, until he bombed. Uh, you know, <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up. Uh, I I was up sixty dollars in my DFS lineup, and then I just oh no, uh, just he took a major dump on my score. Um, and uh, but you, that's where that you got to pay attention to your waiver wire, see who was dropped, because sometimes you're you're not paying attention, uh, and somebody you may have to see who was dropped, but also uh, it's just a matter of you got to try to be a week early than a week late, like the whole Hiro right. Diaz. I was mad. I had drafted him as my final reserve guy in three different leagues, and I had to cut him in two leagues to get something to cover a roster spot. And then I had to go pay to get him back, and in, in I ended up getting him back in one of the leagues. But you try, you got. It's always good to be a week early on a guy, and the same thing for cutting a guy. Cut a guy a week early rather than a week late. Uh, but that's the secret of Fab. If you want to save your money, be a week early in identifying some of these guys where you mm-hmm. can see, like go to go to. Uh, Baseball savant, start looking at the data. Holy crap, this guy's putting a like Franchi Cordero. If he's been dropped because his batting average sucks right now, go take a look at his page right now. There's potential for him to like you know you look, you're like, wow, he's only struck out twice all year and 30 plate appearances. That's very unusual for him. Hey, he's hitting the ball really hard, but he's hitting it right at a lot of people. Uh, you know, try to go look at things like that where the data, where the uh, where the the data is telling you one thing, but the results aren't there yet. Results will get there eventually, and that way, you know, maybe this week you buy Franchi Cordero at eight bucks. He has a really hot week, and all of a sudden he's a thirty dollar player in other leagues next week. Right. The buy a guy a week early rather than a week late sounds like a Bill Belichick strategy for Fab. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move to the next one, and this one's hitters versus pitchers. Take needs aside. I know needs will always usually take priority. If you're looking to to spend big or a higher amount, are you more willing to do so for a hitter or for a pitcher that's in the free agent pool? Art, I'll start with you for this question. Um I, I trust hitters more than I trust pitchers, especially um, like I think that young pitchers will come up and even if they have the good f- first start very often, they have trouble with their third or fourth start, a um, uh, little arm trouble. Like a lot of these young pitchers come up and, 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 and have trouble adapting. Young hitters, I would rather spend big trying to get someone uh, like that might be the next like Joe Adele this week. Uh, who, who I think might be the next, you know, Ronald Acuna or, or, um, or, uh, you know, another big prospect that I think might be the next big player. Um, and I, and I, cause I think that, um, pitching, you really, you're trying to find guys that start, you, you pick them up and because you think there's potential for them to produce and you get them at a, at a discount, but then they actually start to produce and produce solid effort for you after that. That's, that's sort of my philosophy with pitching mostly. Eric, what about you? Yeah, I'm with Art. I, I'm going to go hitter heavy on uh, Fab. And for pitchers, for 
you know, all the the Lucas Gilitos that come out of last year and are, are great. You're going to have the Freddie Peraltas that come up and look really great their first outing. And I, I've been a Freddie Peralta believer each year, and it hurt, it hurts me because I know Preach that it. He's, he's never going to be consistent. But I, I think, too, what for these young pitchers, even if they go a lot of innings right away, as you get closer to the fantasy playoffs, they're going to have an inning cap as opposed to hitters where they're going to hit every day. And especially this season where there's no minors for them to get demoted. Um, I, I just like going with somebody that I think – you know, especially if they're playing for an AL team, they can hit the DH. You know, they don't have to be in the field every day if they're a bad fielder like Jose Martinez. Shout out to him. Um, but I, I just think you're going to have a little bit more consistency with the hitters as opposed to pitchers where it's a little more volatile. Jason, what about you? Uh, you know, sometimes it's easier for hitters because you got four counting categories. It's pretty like, hey, I need help in, you know, in these areas. So that's where it's sometimes easier and you don't with pitchers obviously for starters you have two you know half your categories are ratios you got to try to figure out how much it's going to impact things and i mentioned chavis last year it, it really comes down to exposure once you first hit the major league level you know a lot of guys will get to uh yeah they get to have a, a nice run because you uh yeah the, the league hasn't seen them before maybe maybe even the the triple a results scouting reports haven't got up there yet uh, and so these guys will take advantage. I'm gonna. I mean, he's an early aggressive first pitch guy, and that was the thing with Chavis. If you watched him last year, it's like he was sabotaging a lot of guys early on, and then people realized, oh hey, if we just pitch him hard up and inside, he can't lay off and he can't do anything with it, uh, and just everything just cooled off uh, mm -hmm. for him. And so, but with pitchers, sometimes it does take uh, an exam. It does take. You know, for me, I want to see the guy pitch. I don't like picking up a guy right away and putting him in my lineup. I want to see him pitch one time, uh, especially if I haven't got a. It's tough. I'm just not the guy that subscribes to MILB TV because I can't even watch enough MLB TV. Right? <laughs> so it's like I don't subscribe, but I want to watch. I can read a scouting report and they can say, OK, he's got a serviceable change up. But if I'm watching him pitch and he only throws it when he's in an 0-2 count, that's not a serviceable change up. That's a show me pitch. Uh, you know, I need to see that he can do something because even if a guy says he has three pitches, a lot of the times he's got a fastball to righties and lefties. But he only throws the curveball to righties and the change up to lefties. But he doesn't throw all three pitches to both sides. Mm -hmm. And so I want to see how the guy attacks hitters before I'm like, OK, that intrigues me. Uh, uh and so that's, you know, that's where I am. So I tend to be more aggressive with hitters, um, obviously closers because saves are stupid, but you got to pay for them, especially mm -hmm. if you're like me and, and I'm not aggressive in drafts with saves. Um, I tend to speculate because it's gone well for me. Typically, my strategy is to try to get one of the uh, tier two closers and then play around in tier three, given that in a normal season, 30 percent of your saves are not drafted or bought, yeah. depending on your yeah. format. Right. Yeah. And this year it's going to be it probably be double that uh, the rate the rate we're going. But I've always had a lot of success with that. I, I target the skills, not the role. Uh, sage advice from Ron Chandler from years ago. Uh, but that's that's what I do. And it's worked out well for me. Uh, and that's, again, that's why I had Jairo Diaz as a as a top 50 pitcher this year, because I looked at the I said, wait, Davis sucks. Scott over <laughs> a couple of spots. I can't stay healthy. This guy is shoving it. All he's got to get is the opportunity. And so I just wish I could have kept him in every league, but that's why I targeted him. Uh, and that's why you, know, you look at uh, the opportunity like uh, Emilio Pagan last year. The opportunity was there. I mean, the skills were there. The opportunity had to, uh, had to uh, surface itself. But once it did, he was fantastic. Kirby Yates last year, I said Kirby Yates was going to save 40 and strike out 100. 
He saved 40 and struck out 101. Uh, but you looked at the opportunity. You could see that's a guy who evolved uh, and said, OK, I'm going to now throw the splitter, too. And is a two-pitch guy, but he struck out 101 guys with two pitches. That's all he has is that riding fastball and that diving splitter, but the league has not caught up to it. And he'll just keep throwing it. Now he's going to hopefully parlay it into a free agent deal here uh, for him. But it just, again, watch the skills because skills eventually went out. David, was okay. Wade Davis sucks music to your ears? I mean, it's not music. <laughs> it's just facts. Wade, Wade Davis is pure garbage. Anyway, I want to... Jump. I'm going to skip one for a second because this kind of ties into the topic. So the, we have some early season surprises. We have Christian Javier, Tyler Chatwood, Kyle Lewis. So going off of the hitter and pitcher breakouts, these are guys that were heavily targeted. I know in my uh, NFBC league, Christian Javier went for 450 bucks, And I drafted Kyle Lewis actually in the 20th round of my draft. So I didn't get to see him, what he would have gone for in our fab. But um, just losing those two guys as kind of the headliners for hitting and pitching. I know, Jason, you talked about how they haven't seen the guy yet come up like Christian Javier. Do you believe that these guys uh, can continue this kind of success early on where you would want to bid aggressively on these type of guys? Yeah, I like what I've seen from Javier and Lewis. I mean, Javier was good because we hadn't we got to we got a sneak peek at him before Fab. You know, he pit, I think he pitched that Saturday. And then you got a sneak peek so you can watch them. And like, okay, yeah, I like what I see there. Uh, and you know, so he, and he had it, and he had a good start. Now you got to look at you know how some of the matchups hit, uh, and so we'll have to see exactly where all that goes uh, to that point. But you know, that's where I tend to be. And Lewis, if I'm if I'm going to buy a rookie, I want to buy one that's going to play a lot. And you look yeah. at the Seattle team; it's bad. Uh, and you mm-hmm. knew that you knew the kids were going to play a lot, and that's what I like about it. Uh, that situation uh, there. So uh, that's how I tend. Because again, with rookie, if you're on a good team and you're a rookie and you struggle, you find the bench, or you, it's tough to even get off it. But if you're on a bad team, and that's one of the reasons why, uh, like if you look at my uh, my roster, you see a lot of a lot of CJ Crone and a lot of Jonathan Scope because. Yeah, yeah, they were cheap, but they're going to play 60 games if, if the Tigers play 60. I mean, <laughs> whatever. They're going to play every day uh, because there's nothing else. There's no other option there. Uh, and that's what I want, in this te- especially in this season. I was focused on playing time as much as I possibly could. That, that's a very good point, especially in a shortened season. That, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, speaking of, of, I wanted to ask about Brandon Bielak because you did bring up uh, uh, Astros pitching, I think. Do you think Brandon Bielak is a— is a good pickup this week? You know, I have not seen him pitch. I, yeah. I, I don't like to comment on guys that I haven't seen pitch, but if, when you look, if, if you're trying to, I don't know what they're going to do with it. I mean, they've had the injury issues. Uh, I think I've even bought size Sneed in the league and their bullpen just to try to figure out what they were going to do uh, <laughs> in the back end. Cause I was like, you know, he's available. Let me give it a shot and see what happens. Um, again, with the attrition rate, the arms are falling off. But yeah, I have not seen a pitch, so I can't comment on what I think he what what I think he's capable of. Or, I mean, I think the opportunity every time someone opens up with Houston, you're like it's it's salivating. You're like, oh my god, Houston knows how to coach pitching. Houston knows how to develop pitching. This this guy could be amazing. And then you know sometimes <laughs> you you just you just you just buy into it. And I I think I'm probably going to buy into it, but. Uh, <laughs> But but it, it could end up being Josh James. You never know. Uh, if he could throw a strike one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Josh, Josh James has got such an arm, but he has absolutely no idea where it's going. Right. But that I mean, he you know summer camp was uh, 
was an issue for him because he got sick and you know and some of these guys you watch him pitch right now and they just don't look like the same guy I mean I've watched all three of Charlie Morton start and this most recent one against Boston was when he finally looked like Charlie Morton I mean he was throwing 93 95 commanding the ball but his first two starts I was like oh my god I've got three shares of this guy and he sucks uh but then he looked uh, he looked good in his last start and so some of these guys are just building up but Josh James can't throw a strike and it's killing me. I've got him on two teams, and my ratios are just going higher and higher and higher. Uh, and I, I, it's like in labor, you can't bench a guy that you drafted. You have to cut him or hope he gets hurt or demoted. So it's like, oh I, it's like I can't quit on the arm because I still believe in it. But it's like I can't drop the guy either. And that's where I'm like, oh, man, I, I, I can't. I looked at it long and hard this week, and I couldn't. I just couldn't pull the trigger to cut it because I still believe in the talent. Uh, and it, maybe it comes back to cost me. Uh, but again, I don't want to, you know, I cut him and then like he pitches this week and has a good game. I mean, as we're talking, Tyler Chatwood is getting absolutely beat up like a pinata. No. And that guy, oh, he is getting trashed. No, oh, man. I was just getting runs. ready to talk him up. <laughs> oh, he is no. Trashed. Brad Keller is shutting him down. I'm it talking is about like nine six, nothing. Six runs? It's nine nothing. Oh my gosh! <laughs> that was it's one of my big nine nothing. Oh. Like, I mean, if oh. like I didn't do DFS today, but I guarantee you, like he was the highest owned pitcher. You probably look at that Kansas City yeah. lot and going, "All right, here we go." Yeah, nine nothing, and he has given up eleven hits and eight earned runs and two homers. Oh. All right, scratch everything I was going to say about <laughs> Tyler Chatwood. Not okay. So this hurts me especially because. Not only did I have him in some of my DFS lineups, but he was one of my big acquisitions in my NFBC league. And I actually been I had the top pitching categories. Like pitching wise, I was like at the top of everything. That sucks. <laughs> oh my god. And I brag like, so I Brad Keller, he, he just got activated. I thought he was gonna pitch Friday. And so I have him like in labor, I have him and I didn't have him active because I didn't want to like Okay, I'm going to pull him off the bench. Oh, he didn't pitch. Great. Uh, so here he is pitching awesome against the Cubs, and that that's fantastic. But then, like, talking about being a, a week early on a guy, Nick Heath's playing in this game. If you haven't seen Nick Heath play, the guy is like the new Terrence Gore. Blazing fast, really small, knocking it for power. But if you're trying to win steals this year, this is the kind of guy he just stole his second base tonight. He stole his first base two nights ago. So now he's got two steals this week. I bought Nick Heath for a dollar in three leagues. Just yeah. just by just on speed scouting report alone. I had not even seen the guy play, but I just as somebody said Terrence scored 2.0. And I'm like, OK, I'm in AL leagues. I can buy this guy. So I bought him for a dollar in a few leagues. He's got two steals this week. Now he's on the bench of one of my leagues because so, <laughs> I didn't have a spot for him. Yeah. And I have injuries. But in the shadow, like I lost Nick Madrigal this week. I have nobody to replace him. I have to go buy somebody. That's the worst. Uh, well, speaking of buying, that actually ties right into our next category here the optimal bid how do you determine your optimal fab bid when you assess these free agents i know a lot of people like to associate percentages uh to certain players being like you should spend approximately 15 percent of your fab budget on this guy etc eric i'll start with you for this one how would you uh, assess for your optimal bid for players well jason had mentioned this earlier and this was my first point Observe the other people in your league, and I think that was a really interesting point that he had made about um, one of the people that spends uh, something with a two or that ends in a two so that you put a three. So if if you bid, you know, 12, you're bidding 13 Um, because little tendencies like that will give you, uh, I think, a a little bit of an advantage over the others. Um, My optimal bid, too, is, is what's your limit? You know, if you're if you really want someone 
like I said, you know, I alluded to Nate Pearson earlier. What's your limit? Where, how much are you willing to spend? Where, if somebody outbids you, you're gonna say, okay, he spent more than I was willing to. Not, oh man, I should have spent more. Oh, I, I didn't think anybody was gonna get him. I think you need to be confident and assertive when making a bid. You're not gonna get everyone, but just spend the most that you'd be willing to spend. And if somebody spent more on a certain player, say, okay, I'm, I'm okay passing up on that because I, I felt like that was the most I valued that player for. So you think that you're like, I was just, I'm not even going to play around and try to bid less than I would and see if I can get them. I'm going to spend the, the amount that I feel comfortable spending. Like, and that's going to be where I start. Like I'm not going to undersell it just to try to get them for cheaper. It, it, it could pay off, but to me, it's being cute a little bit. I think you're going to get really frustrated because you're going to miss out on people probably uh, that you'd like because you're trying to save a few bucks here or there. And as Jason said, you can always trade for fab dollars. So if you spend a lot and, you know, you'd, you'd like to get some more, you can, you know, flip players like he did. Jason, what do, what do you think? What, how do you determine your optimal bid? So I, I kind of treat it like an auction. So when you're, you know, for those of you guys who do auction, when you're when you're in the process of bidding players, you know, there's the old rule like, hey, get to nine first because nobody wants to do the round number and go to like, say, 19. Somebody's not going to say 20, uh, you know, or I mentioned, you know, if you're looking at the if you're looking at previous results, you have to change it up, too. So like if this week, let's say that you put your bids out and you bid 53 on this guy and 23 on this guy and all your bids ended in three. Uh, and you're in a league where you're where the website publishes that information. Like I said, in NFBC, you don't know. You just know what the runner up bid. You don't know mm-hmm. who it was, that kind of thing. But like in, in labor and talent, I can see the 11 other teams of exactly what they did. So like this week, I will then turn around and say, OK, all my bids are going to end in five. Uh, maybe this week it'll be one. So I'd like to th- I'd like to change some things around. And I don't always use the same digit in the ones, but I like to change things around. Uh, or there are times when I will put a bid in because I know uh, I want to make sure that the guy's going to go for at least that much. Like I know I may not get this guy for $15, but I'm going to put a bid in anyways. If I get him for 15, yay. But if somebody had to pay more than 15 to get that guy, at least you have to be able to, you have got sometimes play around just to chew up other people's money too. I mean, it's not about just spending your money. It's about making sure that your league is, is spending things too. So uh, like I said, if, if you see uh, using the Nick Heath example, you know, you see so like five, six teams that have a lot of fab money that have no steals and they're obviously going to be eyeballing that guy. Okay. Throw something in there. Uh, and then that way, you know, let's say you have a thousand dollar and you throw a, you know, a $75 bid in, let's say you win them. Now you've got six teams that are like, oh crap, I thought I was going to get them. And now you want them. Now you got six trade partners, uh, assuming that you're not an NFBC that, where you can't happen. But, you know, in other leagues where you can trade, now you have an asset and now you can turn around and trade and get more, uh, for that, uh, you know, the, People usually don't trade that much fab dollars, but then you can go ahead and get something that you did need that wasn't available in fab that week. So let's say, again, uh, you know, you need saves, he needs speed, and you make a swamp. Right. Art, is there anything you would like to add on for that as well? Um, I think that uh, um, I like to attack my team weaknesses with, like, multiple um, multiple small bids. Like, uh, assessing my team, I... I, I uh, I try to get players at bargains so that I have money to make big splashes on bigger players. So, like, I will try to put out a lot of lower bids just to try and get, you know, someone that I think might be a bargain. 
and so that I have the money to be the guy who someone goes like, can you believe he, he bid $200 and the next best bid was 80 And I'll be like, yeah, I don't care. I've been getting all these other guys for 5 or $10, you know? So that that's that's one that's what I like to do. Okay, let's move to our last part of this discussion then, and I call it risk it for the biscuit. If you're struggling in a certain category, and you know most of these these big time leagues are some kind of rotisserie league, will you use your fab on guys that have undefined roles? I'm talking about if you need saves, you buy Jonathan Hernandez and Nick Goody. If you're, or you're maybe you're you're buying all the Royals closing trio just to try to see if you can get saves from that group, or if you're struggling in batting average and you see a guy like Nick Madrigal as a free agent, are you gonna bid a lot more to help that? Or Matt Adams for power? There's a lot of certain guys you can get for for one category. Is it is are you gonna pay up for the potential reward even if there's a lot of risk? So, Art, I'll go right back to you to start this one. What would you do in this situation? I don't, I don't want to go after anything like a Royals uh, closing situation, closing bullpen. I don't want to go after anything like whatever's going on in Texas either. Um, um, but uh, I do like, uh, I do like to to uh, pair up batting average guys and stuff like that. Uh, but I don't dive into uh, closer carousel situations ever. I I think that that is. Uh, and this season, it's going to be like that all over. Oregon, so, you could you could talk about for batting average. I'm sorry to cut you off. Like a, a Donovan Solano that just came to mind of someone who was a hot pickup this past week that's hitting over 400. Yeah, he's raking. I like Donovan Solano. His BABIP is super high. Uh, I haven't really – I I I think that uh, he's someone who, who I would splash for if I was really feeling like I needed batting average um, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Eric, uh, I'm with Art. I don't like doing it for uh, closers and save situations because you're really banking on opportunity. You're banking on a team to be winning the game and to be in a save situation and that you're going with multiple guys. I, I don't really like doing that. If the Royals lose eight in a row and they're just throwing these pitchers out there for an inning or two, but they're not getting a save or a hold, they don't have that same value. I am bigger on players. Uh, Nick Madrigal will, you know, get will up your uh, batting average a little bit. And somebody like Matt Adams, you know, he's a little bit streaky and uh, sometimes he plays in a platoon, but he's the type of guy that could have four or five homers in a week and really be the difference for your lineup. Yeah, him and Mitch Moreland, there's a lot of guys that are in platoons. Chris Davis, it seems like he's in a platoon right now, but he's pretty much on most teams, I think, drafted. Jason, what about you? What are your thoughts for this one? I get back to like I again. I want to try to be a week early and play for skills. Like you watch Tuki Toussaint, watch him pitch this season, and you can see the potential. And we always know we always knew that he had potential coming up throughout the minor leagues. But yeah, this is also a guy who rapidly ascended through the minor league uh, minor leagues, gets to the major leagues, struggled with throwing strikes. Uh, but you see the stuff, you know, like he just needs the opportunity to do the stuff. And you might like you go into his stats right now and you look, you're like, wow, he's got an 810 ERA. Why the hell do I want to pick up a guy that's given up six earned <laughs> runs and six and two thirds? But he's also struck out 11 batters in six and two thirds. And like you go watch his highlights tonight and watch the curveball. 
that he's throwing out there and making Reese McGuire look absolutely stupid on the curveball. I mean, he's always had the great curveball, but he's looking good in middle relief, that big line score. And that's going to happen with relievers because, yeah, they have one big out, bad outing. He had a bad outing against Tampa Bay the first like opening weekend or the, the second series. But he's pitched good around that stuff. And even in that bad outing, you go back and watch it, you can see the potential of the stuff. And so it's. Again, I like taking chances on those types of guys. Like another guy I would even mention, yeah, I do play a lot of single league formats, but I watched Evan Marshall pitch in the eighth inning against the Brewers the other day. Comes in one, two, three against Justin Smoke, Omar, Omar Narvaez, and uh, Eric Sogard, I think it was. But one, two, three, it looked like a shutdown closer pitching the eighth inning to set up Alex Colome. Alex Colome is not a guy that I'd like uh, for his overall skills. Uh, so I, you know, I have shares of Aaron Bummer. I plan on getting shares of Evan Marshall this weekend on the cheap as because I, I need some arms uh, in a couple of my AL only leagues. So he's a guy that I would like to grab because, you know, we'll see what plays out. And with this attrition rate on closers, if Colome were to go down, there's Marshall. He's been pitched in the eighth inning. Uh, and so he may be that first guy. And so if you take the chance, don't wait for the bad news to happen. Be prepared for the bad news. I like that. And that, that's like just a great discussion from everybody. I think people that are listening that are unfamiliar with, not just what fab is, but how to use the proper way. I think it was a really thorough way you guys broke it down for them. Let's slide over to a different subject. Let's go to our question of the week. And this week, our question, Jason, you're the guest. I'm going to start with you for this. If you threw out the first pitch at a baseball game, would you throw a strike? Uh, no, no, that was never my strength. I mean, when I pitched, uh, my fastball topped out at 82. I, I was the specials of the pseudo strike. You know, I, I'm an old <laughs> fart. I'm 47. Uh, but I was throwing a change up in high school not, when not a lot of guys were pitching or throwing a change up. I threw it because I needed it. So my fastball looked pretty decent. Uh, so my specialty <laughs> was to try to get ahead and then just start pitching backwards. But no, I would I would not 50 cent or Fauci it. I, I wouldn't. Uh... That but I also would not throw from the mound. That's the that's the sucker's bet. If you pitch yeah. from the front of the mound, because that's the thing people don't realize that that's that's a 10 inch, a 10 inch high. And it's a slope. And people don't they're like, oh, it looks so easy. No pitch from the front of the mound. Don't pitch. The mound is for pitchers. Everybody else pitches from the the, the right there at the scene. Uh, I have I would love to be able to throw a first pitch out even in a minor league stadium. If you're listening, call me. I'm, I'm game. <laughs> I would love to throw a first pitch out. It's one of those things. Uh, but I don't want to be one of those. Hey, it's our business sponsor of the day and, and pay five hundred dollars to do it. No. Uh, but I would love to be able to do it. Uh, but yeah, there's no way you're gonna catch me on top of the mound because that's exactly what would happen. I would end up hitting the mascot, uh, throwing it. I would yank it and, and throw it in the in the uh, on deck circle. So would wait, you be would nervous? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, even if it was a minor league, you know, like, because that's what that would be going through my head is like, oh my god, please don't spike this. Please don't, please don't <laughs> pull the, the Mariah Carey or the uh, Baba Booey. I mean, don't do any of these things. Just I think get John it in there nice and too. easy. Get in there nice and easy, and make sure it doesn't bounce. That's all I would care about. Yeah. I mean, thing is, I've had two shoulder surgeries in my throwing arm, so it's like I couldn't even attempt to throw uh, throw any smoke if I wanted to. So it would be a nice easy celebratory lob in the home plate and just like, please get it there. Uh, and that way I know, okay, it's, it's about 45 feet uh, from the seam of the mound and grass to home plate. I can make it 45 feet. Yeah. I was going to ask if you were about to fire a seat in there, but I guess the answer is <laughs> my question. No, this shoulder, this shoulder is toast. <laughs> All right. What about you? 
the one thing that a lot of people don't know is you don't get warm-up throws when you're throwing the first pitch. You're walking out there pretty cold. I mean, you can, you know, loosen up your arm, doing some arm circles probably, but uh, you're not really warming up. I remember uh, I was at beach in, in New Hampshire, and there was a, a fast pitch, and it was like, oh, yeah, let's do this. I didn't warm up. I tried to throw it. My arm hurt. My shoulder hurt for like four or five days after that. Just just one throw trying to give maximum effort without warming up. I think you're going to go out there and the tendency is you're going to you're going to be a little bit off. So you got to you got to take it nice and easy. I don't think I would throw a strike. I would just want it to be where like the person who was catching it didn't have to like jump to the side to get the ball that I threw just like in the arm range around their body. That's what I'm going for. Really big target. so not a strike, but uh, but catchable. I think that's a safe bet. Eric, are you going the same approach? Yeah, uh, I'm not going to try to throw it super fast. I feel like everybody wants to be on like Sports Center and be like, oh, look at this guy throwing out the first pitch that threw a 70 mile per hour laser in there. <laughs> I try to get it in the strike zone and I know everybody throws it under overhand. But I think if I threw it underhand, it would be a, a strike because I'm very good at slow pitch softball pitching. I had, I've had five. I've had five strikeouts in a slow pitch softball game because I can point because I can paint the strike zone very well. So if I can throw it underhand, I'm throwing a strike. That's fair. So I've thought about this, and I think if I knew the night before, I would literally lose sleep over if I wanted to toss it or like fire it in there. Cause I feel like if I tossed it, I would short arm it to the point where like I would like try to lob it too soft and it would just bounce on the plate. Yeah. And I feel like I'm like, you know what? I would just, I would rear back and try to look like a pitcher as much as I can. And if it ends up being really ugly, then I'll be on sports centers not top 10. And if I fire a seed in there, then they, they, they come and hit me up for a uh, relief pitching, especially living in Washington, you know, uh, not like they have an amazing bullpen. So, you know, even if I top out at 50 <laughs> miles an hour. Wasn't there a guy that threw like a really good first pitch? He was like 12 or 13. He was relatively young. And the team's like, yeah, we kind of like you. And they like tried to get him in the minors or something. I think I, I know no what you're idea. talking about. I think I know. What I can't remember what that was, though. I'll, I'll have to find this and, and share it with you guys off air. But um, yeah, I mean, who knows? You throw a really good first pitch. You never know who you're impressing. True that. Let's. Move to our last segment, and that's our game of the week. Art, what are we playing this week? This week we're going out playing the ponies. We're playing win, play, show. I'm going to read. We're going to go through statistical categories. I will read you off six names. You choose one to win, one to place, and one to show. Now, for those of you who aren't pony betters, you pick win. That's the one you think is going to be in first place. Place is in the top two and show is in the top three. So if you pick to win and you get a win, you get three points for that. Person, if you pick to place, you get two points if that hits and show you get one point. So at the end of this game, we will add up the points and uh, and see who wins. Uh, so I will go start with the first category, which is K's per nine, most K's per nine. Now, um, the uh, so. You choose who you think is first, second, and third. Win, place, show. The six pitchers you have to choose from are Max Scherzer, Sonny Gray, Aaron Nola, Trevor Bauer, Tyler Chatwood, Shane Beaver. And this is all 2020 stuff? All 2020 stuff and before tonight. 
So free time to chat this evening. <laughs> so we, my guess? Yes. Uh, Beaver win, great place, chat with show. Am I going next, Art? Yeah. It's definitely Bieber win. Scherzer, I think, is off because he threw one inning yesterday. Can you? What was the the rest of them? Trevor Bauer, Sonny Gray, Tyler Chatwood, Max Scherzer, Shane Bieber, Aaron Nola. I'm going. Um, I'm going Trevor Bauer to place, and then I'm going Sonny Gray show. Okay, Eric. I'm going Shane Bieber win, Sonny Gray place, Aaron Nola show. Aaron Nola just had 12 Ks yesterday. Uh, Thank you for paying attention yesterday. I missed that one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Aaron Nola is first, 15.09 Ks per nine. Wow. Shane Bieber second, 14.54. Max Scherzer, third, 14.49. Oh, so we all did get strike strikeouts yesterday in the first and then bowed out? <laughs> he, was at, he was first. He was at like a 14.7 before yesterday. Wow. So, Nola, Eric, you got one point for Nola. And you guys all picked Beaver. I think, I think, yeah, that's, that is it. All right. Uh, Eric, you have one point. Next is uh, Babip against, highest Babip against. Uh, the six pitchers, these are all starting pitchers, qualified starting pitchers, or, or have over qualified innings because it's Kevin Gaussman, Nathan Eovaldi, Luis Castillo, Sean Manaya, Matthew Boyd. Uh, Boyd, Manaya, Eovaldi. So wait, you said it's Gaussman, Eovaldi, Castillo, Manaya, and Boyd? Yep. Was there one I missed? That's all of them. Gosman, Avaldi, no. Boyd, Manaya, Castillo. What was the sixth one? Uh, I think there was only I, five. There was only five. I wrote oh, okay. Castillo's name twice because gotcha. I'm possibly dyslexic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I'm going to say, goodness gracious, I'm going to say Boyd, Avaldi, Manaya. I don't I'm know if that's good. I'm going to say Boyd because he got rocked the first game of the year. Castillo, Manaya. Okay. Luis Castillo, worst 438, his Babip. Wow. Boyd, Boyd, second worst 412. Ivaldi, third worst 383. So uh, I think. Castillo, Eric, you got two points. And so far, that oh, Ivaldi, one point for, for Jason because you picked him to show. And that is yep, that is all the points. We have three for Eric, none for David, one for Jason right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. This, this is how it should be. WRC plus. WRC plus. Win play show on uh, Nelson Cruz, Aaron Judge. Jacoby Jones, Nick Castellanos, Michael Brantley, and Carlos Correa. Wow, that's wow this is good. This is yeah, good. Yeah, this, this, is, is, a, this is a really good one. Um, oh, crap, I forgot the name. because I, I was like, oop, I'm going to choose that one. Uh, so I'm going to put <laughs> Castellanos 
Castellanos, uh, Cruz, and Jacoby Jones. I'm going Judge. That's the name I forgot already. (laughs) I I have to write them down because there's so many fire. Judge Castellanos Cruz. I'm going Judge Castellanos Jacoby Jones. Why he's computing? But uh, I was gonna say, you know, we were uh, as we were talking about Tuki Toussaint. uh, I just pulled up his boss score through 66 pitches. He has 13 swings and misses tonight. Uh, and, uh, let's see, 15 called strikes, 28 called strikes in whiffs on 66 pitches. Wow. And then Toronto, by the way, brought, tried to bring in Jacob Wazapak as a reliever, but then realized he's not on the 28 man roster. So they had to take him out. (laughs) 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 So I'm catching I'm like, oh my God. I was going to say, I got a notification that he was sent to their, uh, other camp or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. That's hilarious. Okay. First is. First is Nick Castellanos, 254. Oh, <laughs> wow. Three points for Jason. Woo-hoo! Second, Jacoby, Go- J- Jacoby Jones, 239. And Aaron Judge, 239. But they ranked him 2 3. So uh, Jones got one point for Eric. Castellanos got two points because you picked him to place for David. And three points for Jason. So it's four. Four and two right now is the scoring. Four for okay. Jason and Eric. Okay. Uh, highest Babbitt. Highest Babbitt for a hitter. Donovan Solano. Michael Brantley. Kyle Lewis. Carlos Correa. Nelson Cruz. Luis Roberts. Ooh, okay. It's going to be a good one. I got yeah. So Solano, Brantley, Cal Lewis, Correa, Cruz, Luis Robert. That's right. Okay. I'm gonna say Solano, Robert, and Lewis. I think it's definitely Solano. Lewis. Did you say Jason? Did you say Solano, Lewis, Robert? Uh, you- no, this is Solano, Robert, and um, um, Lewis. Okay, so I'm gonna mix the the second and third. I think it's Solano, Lewis, Robert. I'm going to say Solano, Robert, Correa. Kyle Lewis has a 567 Babbitt. 567? Wow. Second place, second is Correa, Cruz, and Brantley at 500. Mm. And Solano is third at 485. So... Uh, Lewis got one point for Jason, two points for uh, for David, and uh, Correa. I th- let me see. Correa got one point for Eric. So we have five, four, five in scoring right now. Right uh, in this, boys. Let's do this. I'm right okay. there. Okay. <laughs> Uh, WFB, that is basically the uh, runs saved on a fastball for, for this season, the highest WFB. The six pitchers, Trevor Bauer, Lance Lynn, Zach Wheeler, Brady Singer, Adrian Hauser, Jacob deGrom. Hmm. Um, so Bauer, Lynn, Wheeler, Brady Singer, Hauser, deGrom. That's right. I'm going to say 
I'm going to say Singer number one, DeGrom two, and Lynn three. So run saved on a fastball. I'm pretty analytical, and I didn't even really know this stat. <laughs> I'm going to say Lance Lynn one, uh, DeGrom, or Adrian Hauser two, DeGrom three. I definitely think Lance Lynn's got to be one. He's such a heavy fastball guy. Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn, Jacob DeGrom, and Brady Singer. Adrian Hauser has has saved six runs on his fastball this year. Zach Wheeler, 5.1. Lance Lynn, 4.7. Lynn got... One point for Jason, and Hauser got two points for Eric. So we have six, five, four. All right, let's do it. I've calculated seven for me. Don't argue with the guy keeping score. I have everything (laughs) written down. but I might not be perfect. Seven for you? Yeah, you got Castellanos. I missed that. Sorry. Yeah, you got Castellanos. How many do we have left? Uh, we're going to do two more. Okay. RB, RBIs. RBI. Top three win play show. Your six are Dansby Swanson, Fernando Tatis Jr., Aaron Judge, Nelson Cruz, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Seeger. See, I was listening to a whole list waiting for Donovan Solano to pop up. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about him Sunday, the podcast. Dude, at 13 RBI. <laughs> Holy cow. That's I'm 2020 gonna, for you. Right? 13. <laughs> now he's probably going to finish the season with 20. Um, crap. See. I'm forgetting all the names now. Uh, you guys go ahead. All right. Uh, I'm going to go Aaron Judge. No, I'm going to go No, Aaron Judge, Nick Castellanos, Nelson Cruz. I'm going to go... Aaron Judge, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Seeger. I'm going to go Castellanos. Um, There's also Tatis and Swatson, too. Yeah, I'm going to do Castellanos, Judge, Tatis. Aaron Judge, first with 17. Nelson Cruz, second with 15. Kyle Seeger, third with 14. Oof. I figured Seager might be in there. After I said it, I kind of regretted not saying. So I got I got four that round, right? Yeah, David got four, two for uh, Jason on Judge, and so we'll do one last. Uh, this is uh, soft contact rate. I like this one. This is a this is an interesting one. I think the uh, top soft contact rate. Your six pitchers are Max Fried, Alec Mills. Christian Javier, Trevor Bauer, Brandon Woodruff, Matt Shoemaker. Um, I'm going to put Max Freed first. I'm going to put uh, I'm going to put uh, Matt Shoemaker third, even after the um, Braves got him the other day, and I'm going to say. Um, Woodruff second. I'm definitely putting Freed first. I remember when I wrote an article on him, he was the number two in all of baseball in soft contact rate last year. So I'm going to say he's right at the top there again. And 
I'm going to say, I'm also going to put Bauer number two, but I'm going to put Alec Mills number three. Oh, that was the other guy I was thinking of. Wow. Uh, I think very similarly to both you guys, Max Freed number one, Brandon Woodruff two, Alec Mills three is my guess. Freed, Woodruff, and then who's the third one? Alec Mills. Eric said the same one I did. Okay. First, Alec Mills, 33.3% soft contact. Wow. wow. Brandon Woodruff, 31.7. Trevor Bauer, 29.2. Mm. Right. I didn't put Bauer in there. Wow. So, yeah, Bauer's inducing soft contact. So is Woodruff. Woodruff got two points for, for Jason. Mills got you one point, David. And I think Eric got three points with Wood and Woodruff and Mills. Well, I mean, Eric and I said this. Eric and I said the same one, so we would have gotten three as well. I think you said Bauer for your second one. Did you? Oh. All right. You did. Oh, I did. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought I said Woodruff. Okay. <laughs> well, I I think Eric Eric ended up with the most points. I could add it up, but I I think it, it looks like Eric won won the game for this week. Win, play, show at the Ponies. Nice job. Well, that was a good game. I I, I was my money was on Jason, but Eric came out of nowhere. And pulled it off. Jason's also <laughs> probably got a lot of stuff going on. So uh, every one of those persons was in the top six. I gave you the top six, so there wasn't any gimmies in there. If you're like, I know he's been doing well, and you hear his name, he could be fourth. He just didn't make the top three. I was it, like, so like I was, the I was listening for Solano in the one because I was like in my head because even though I used him like I was the idiot. Like I said, until until McCullers dumped on my lineup there, and I actually stacked the three, four, five of the Giants lineup against John Gray. And it worked because Brandon Belt had the three run home run and and uh, um, Flores drove in Solano. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is going to work. And then <laughs> by the time I left, I left a friend's house. We were watching baseball on his back porch. 15 minute drive. I get home and my I, I checked. I got in the car. I'm like, all right, great. And then by the time I got home, I looked I'm like, what happened? Three nothing, <laughs> seven, three. Hmm. Oh, man. That's fantasy baseball in a nutshell. Yeah. It is. Solano doesn't have any RBIs this week, apparently. <laughs> Jason, we really appreciate your time. It was absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, sure. This, this was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, by the way, I hope nobody was starting. Uh, uh, let's see. Who was this guy? Um, not that anybody was. Well, besides Tyler Chatwood, I hope nobody was starting. Um, no, that didn't. Don't break my oh, heart yeah. again, Jason. I hope, you, I hope Luis Castillo. I no! Hope he, win. Oh, he pitched five innings and struck out nine, but he allowed uh, eight base runners and three earned runs. But then Jose De Leon came in behind him, allowed eight earned runs and an inning and two thirds. Wow. Oh my God. Nice. That's, why, that's why I had him high for Babbitt against. He just. And talking about that <laughs> Cleveland pitching staff, there they are again. Carrasco, six innings, one hit. Oh my God. Those guys are just working deep. So You're destroying well. my uh, my NFBC team with Luis Castillo on there, Tyler Chatwood. I had Verlander already out for the year with my first pick. That's just getting ripped to shreds right now. Yeah, it, it is a uh, it's weird. If you got Nate Pearson, that worked good. I mean, he's gonna take the L in this game unless something turns around. But they both look good. From my buddy's been texting me too because he's a huge Braves fan. But Matt Davidson pitching? No, yeah, Matt Davidson, Matt Davidson pitching the for the Reds. <laughs> oh my bad god, situation. that's how bad it is. Bad well, he is a two-way guy. He's wanted to be a two-way guy, and here he is. Well, it's interesting because I I know that you've played DFS. I was building stacks, and I uh I had a lot of Cubs 
And I, I always see the bad side of Tuki Dusant. So I was like, if he blows up, Toronto could potentially go off. Didn't have Cleveland. That's interesting. They're going to be the highest scoring team. That is well, that's good. I mean, yeah, you look at that outfield. I saw somebody uh, tweeted something today. It said, like, Shane Bieber has, like, a 435 OPS against this year. And, like, the collective Indians outfield has a 420. <laughs> I mean, that's how bad they've been. Uh, and then, like, Fran Mel Reyes is two for four now. Now his OPS is up to 485. Uh, oh, Oscar Mercado is still hitting a buck 32. He's one for five in this game. Delano DeShields, fresh off the IL, is one for three. But yeah, that uh, that outfield is is it's something. Domingo Santana is hitting a buck sixty seven. Uh, but the top of that line is what's carrying. You know, Cesar Hernandez and Jose Ramirez, Lindor. That's what's carrying that team. Oh yeah. But my friend, my shares of friend Mills got to get hot. Oh, <laughs> Some absolutely. Point. Someone just dropped him and I scooped him up. Just oh, hope right. he doesn't go. go. Pay attention to that waiver wire. Just right. hope he doesn't go to any more parties because Fran Mill does not wear does not wear face masks apparently. Sure. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> All right. Well, we're obviously this has been awesome, Jason. We don't want to hold you up anymore. Make sure you follow him at Jason Collette on Twitter. Check out his awesome articles he puts out on RotoWire. Thank you so much, man. This was a blast. Take care, guys. Thank you. Thank you. See you.